Well, hey guys, welcome to this week. Well, hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Conversations with Josh. I'm super excited to jump into this week's topic. As you guys know, I've been an entrepreneur for almost 10 years now. My birthday was last Saturday, so it's just kind of fun in retrospect to see really what has accumulated over these years. The decisions of my past kind of created the future. As of today and 2023, I've been an entrepreneur again, like I said, for over 10 years starting with a simple social media business and doing brand partnerships all the way to being a creative director for multiple companies and now being a co-owner and owning companies in the past and honestly opened up uh, a question poll on my Facebook and my Instagram kind of in that space of man man what it's what has it been like leading a business being an entrepreneur in the last 10 years obviously Everybody kind of wants to be one, and what what is it like to be somebody who truly never thought that they would be an entrepreneur? That was not in the plan. That's not been in. That was not. I didn't grow up like man. I was doing lemonade stands, doing car washes. If you'd asked me at twelve what I would have been in growing up, I'd be a point guard for the Chicago Bulls, and obviously that's not happening. So as we jump in, and really, there's ten questions that I want to dive into really taking the hundreds of questions you guys sent in and, and bringing them into making sure that we're, we're hitting all of it. And we're not going to be able to hit all of it in a 20 or 30 minute podcast, but we're going to try. We're going to try to hit some major themes. And as you can see, my dog Cash is in this week's episode as I wanted him to be in. So jumping into the first question, what advice did you listen to that fueled your success as a young entrepreneur? Man, I... I I come from the background of really the American practical dream of you you do okay in high school, you get a four-year bachelor's degree, maybe you get a master's degree, you get a normal job, you build it up, you retire at 65, call it a day. So, so as you can see, me stepping out of college the first time and then the second time of understanding that, man, I, I don't think this is for me. As you can see, there wasn't a lot of advice that I even took. There, there was times where honestly, it felt like I was the only one, which is a lie, but that I thought this way or that I was supposed to go this way or that I was doing the wrong thing. And what I would say is I did have people in my world who challenged not just my belief system because I'm a Christian, I've been a pastor and a leader. And a lot of this podcast is very much so that of leadership podcasts within the Christian space, but this is just general entrepreneurship. So the, the advice I took from, from people who not just were in this space, but also people who just believed in me was, man, if I don't believe in this, nobody else will. What I saw in the future, the things that I imagined that could potentially happen through one simple yes of saying, taking one social media client all the way to now, again, almost 10 years later, you can see that over this journey, even still being in my 20s, there's people who don't understand, people who don't quite get it. But what I would say to you is if nobody else on the planet besides you believes in it and you absolutely believe in it, that's okay. You don't need other people to believe in it. You don't need people to get the full picture. Uh, it's, your, it's, your, it's your picture. It's your vision, aka you, you are responsible for doing that. You're responsible for doing what God tells you to do. Obedience is, looks like 100% commitment. You're all in. So that was some advice that I took was, man, I need to believe in myself. Uh, I need to be all in on this journey. So believe in yourself. Be all in. Don't have one foot in, one foot out. Jump in. Next question. How did you handle setbacks and facing similar challenges? So 
how did I handle setbacks? Even as, as we continue this journey, there's always continued setbacks. It's never like you wake up one morning and you're, you're completely good. It's a lifelong journey, setbacks and challenges and things coming up. So how did I handle it? I tend to be kind of a workhorse, an achiever, some would say. So I always used it as fuel. That's not to say that there was, there was times where I wanted to quit. There was times where I was uber depressed. I always kind of struggled with that on the, on the topic of depression, anxiety, kind of always dealt with clinical depression and clinical anxiety. So dealing with that was much more harder to me than getting a client, like a client, signing a client or getting a business and a long-term contract tended to be easy to me because I was very good at my craft. But it was more the personal side of it as there would be days where I didn't want to wake up, like didn't want to get out of bed. There was times where I just wanted to quit everything. I just wanted to go back to college and just do the normal thing because nobody was encouraging me, encouraging me in those moments. So I had to figure out how to encourage myself, how to establish discipline over desire. And even on the days where I didn't want to go work out or I didn't want to go do a video shoot, those were the days where I tested to see even if I actually was disciplined. And we always don't want to default just to being a di disciplined person. You got to be aware of your body, even in your, in your mind. Like maybe I really do need a day off. Maybe I really do need to take a deep breath or say no to this client or say no to this gig. So that, that's how I handled it was I use it as fuel, but I use it as a learning tool. I definitely never wanted to repeat the same uh, mistake multiple times in a row. Always want to learn from it. I'm not a mistake, but I made one. And yeah, just not letting other people have opinions that weren't going to encourage me or build me up. People were going to tear me down. They're just not in my inner circle. That's a great question, by the way. If you can figure out some sort of strategy of how you're wired to get yourself out of that, the gunk, get yourself out of those setbacks, you're going to seriously be way ahead of 99% of people in this space. So how did you stay ahead in tech for business growth? Yeah, I, I was actually just talking to somebody this morning, a fairly large nonprofit, and I talked about how it was like 2016, I was making specific content for Instagram. And this was in a moment, especially in the church where I tend to spend a lot of my time, it was very judgmental. People were not for it. People thought that you're being polarizing or you're not necessarily following the will of God if you're making content because God's plan is the local church. And they didn't understand that that actually is a system or strategy to get people in your local church. And even more, it is, it is a place. It is a, it's, a, it's a space where people are at. So I tended to be kind of ahead of the curve. I wouldn't necessarily call myself a, an early adopter across the board, but I definitely do think there are moments where I look back and see, oh, I definitely picked up on that trend way before other people. Even what I tend to teach people now is you need to be so self-aware that you're actually seeing trends before they're trends. The, the early adopter anyways is like, what, 3% of the human population. So I, I know that I'm, I'm speaking to much more than early adopters, but how you get into that space of being aware of trends and even being able to sense what a possible trend could be. And I'm not talking about a TikTok trend. Like you're not an early adopter for doing a dance before somebody else dances or creating a piece of content that somebody else didn't already. That that tends to be some tendencies of understanding an ecosystem, like you're understanding social media. What an early adopter is, is seeing the potential of TikTok in 2018, 2019, downloading it and making incredible content at that point. 
you're an early adopter 2018, 2019 on TikTok right now, you're making $40,000 a deal. So as, I, as I've communicated, even owning a digital marketing agency for five years and I had 19 employees, hundreds of applications constantly coming in my inbox of people desperately wanting to work with our organization at 21 years old. I was aware that my responsibility, especially in the marketing space and the business space, was to be ahead of the curve. Like, where is entrepreneurship going? Where is digital marketing going? Obviously, you could see I, I was pretty good at social media, so I always used my natural giftings, and that was my default. Like, if there was one thing that I could always go back to, yeah, you had website design, you had branding, you had just strategy in general, all of these things come into mind. But at the end of the day, there was always that one thing that I knew I was better than most at, and that is what I could sell the most. So all that to say how you stay ahead of trends is being self-aware, which is funny to think that the stuff externally actually is determined by you internally and you being self-aware of how you are wired and how you can lead and how you can think and if you can understand how you think and how you get to places how you get to decisions along that journey you can actually wire in man these are indicators that this is something that might fail because part of being an early adopter or a pioneer or or somebody who thinks differently than others is most of the time your ideas and your and your thoughts will not succeed. It will actually fail. And the, the person who comes along right after you will take whatever version you created and make the actual completed version of it. That's the tough part about being an early adopter. Yes, you get high, high reward, but also high risk. You might have success short term and you are helping other people get to where they are. That's true success. You not getting where you think you should be, but you helping other people get to where they don't even know they should be, but you are so forward thinking that you're going to get them to wherever they're supposed to be. So all that to say, I did a lot of research, a lot of reading, a lot of things that came back from the 40s and 50s and, and seeing kind of where tech has, has been and where business has been and where leadership has been and understanding the wiring of a generation. I'm Gen Z, so I'm looking at Gen Z, I'm looking at Gen A and going... I mean, how do they think and how can I get ahead of them when it comes to thinking to make sure that at the end of the day, they feel, need, they feel needed, they feel known, they feel seen, they feel valued, and that they feel like they can make a change with or without me. Great question. What advice would you give your teenage self about entrepreneurship? That's a great question, by the way. I love when people ask that question, and I often ask that question a lot too of people who I look up to. So that's a great question. What advice would your, my teenage self? So my teenage self, again, like I said, had no idea I was going to be an entrepreneur. I did not have entrepreneurship tendencies. I tend to always be dominant and I tended to always not like being told what to do. I never really treated my teachers as respectfully as I should have, I definitely think you obviously should. Anyone in your life who's a leader or somebody who's above you, even below you, obviously. But I would have gave myself this. Listen to what other people are saying more than you talking. I'll go super practical and then super high level. You need to listen more than you talk. Because as I've gained higher levels of leadership within organizations or within my own own businesses and structures that I've implemented, you understand that you actually don't talk as much as you listen. 
The best leaders are the ones who are not doing all the talking. They're the ones who are actually helping facilitate communication. They're facilitating thinking. They're facilitating innovation. They're not the ones doing it. So you, you might want to be the next Gary V, but if you look at Gary V, everyone around him is confident, confident in themselves, confident in their wiring. Their communication is on point. It's because they have a leader who listens and asks great questions. So that's one. Number two, find somebody might not be as quote unquote successful as you want to be, but find somebody who is really healthy as in their physical, their mental, their relationships, their marriage, their friendships, their peer level, just friendships, their kids love them. Take them out to lunch or ask them to get coffee or get on Zoom or FaceTime and ask them questions on how they think. How did they get to that point? So what was your thought process when your wife did blank or when you guys had your first child? What was what were you thinking about as you became a father? What were you thinking about as you became a lead pastor? Those things that you can understand how, how they think, you can discover how somebody thinks, you can discover what, how, they, how they create their future or create others' future or create businesses or create whatever their space is. I'm saying find somebody who is successful in that. Don't find the person who might have a lot of money or a lot of Instagram followers but they're horrible people and don't treat people with respect and they don't have close friends. They've not had any good relationships. Their dating scene is off. You don't want to find those people because they might have short-term success as in money or influence, but that stuff's fling. That stuff, you, you lose really emotional connection to that very, very fast. You need to find what has substance, which is your personal health, spiritual, physical, psychological. They're go- don't ever follow somebody who's not in therapy at some point or they, or they have like a mental coach or again, you, you always want to follow somebody and have a mentor who is taking care of themselves because you cannot take care of other people before you take care of yourselves. Every single time you get on an airplane, I've been on like 40 flights this year. Every time when they talk about the air mask, they always say, Put it on before. Put on the oxygen mask before you put on your child's because you can't actually take care of that child unless your mask is on because you're going to be passed out and the baby or the child's not going to be able to do it themselves. So always make sure your health is in line. It's obviously not mutually exclusive. You can't take care of yourself and be rude and abrasive and dismissive to people. That doesn't work either. So the person take care of themselves and they take care of the people around them. They're, they're loving, they're kind, they're generous, they're sweet. They have a sense of confidence to them, but not arrogance. Those are the people that you want to get lunch with. Those are the people you want to get coffee with. Pick their brain, serve them, listen to them, and ask tough questions to them. So that is a couple of things that I would suggest that my teenage self would have done that I didn't. How did ethics contribute to your business success so what like what is what is ethics how how does that implement when it comes to business so obviously there's the micro ethical decisions you make every single day like i'm going to be kind i'm going to be i'm not going to lie i'm not going to cheat i'm not going to steal but the bigger ecosystem of the united states of america where i live and i understand that there's a lot of countries that listen to this podcast but i would say that our general moral compass is the same across the board So what I'll say to this 
because I've had people who work for me all different races, different places, different faces, different spaces, all different backgrounds, diverse belief systems, anything you can imagine. I've had people on my staff within the business space. The church tends to be a little bit less diverse, one specific church anyways, that I worked for. But you got to treat people the way you want to be treated. It's the golden rule, right? That your ethical decisions come back to your moral compass, which comes back to your self-awareness. You knowing your triggers, you knowing the, the things that bother you, the things that make you cry, the things that make you angry, the things that make you passionate. Those are the things that are going to curate your decision-making. Those are the things that are going to curate the way you talk to people, you engage with people, specific people, and even your belief system. When it comes down to like Christianity, like I'm a, I'm a believer, I've been a pastor, I've led in the church. So how does that dictate how I treat people in the business world? It goes like this. I follow Jesus the way he treated people who didn't quite necessarily believe in the same things he believed. That does not mean that I'm inclusive 24-7 with all of my experiences or my relationships. I'm not inclusive 24-7. I, I protect my inner circle. That doesn't mean I can't be kind. That doesn't mean I can't be a good listener, always have a smile on my face, being generous with my time, and giving people the benefit of the doubt. That's what I'll say to you, is give them the benefit of the doubt. Your ethics come back to your, your worldview, and your worldview is shaped by your beliefs. So if you can create a level of self-awareness to know that th these are, this is the why behind my beliefs. So you're getting to the true root cause of why you believe certain things. Why was this something that my dad said when I was a little kid that, that curated this belief system about this specific group or this specific type of person or this whatever? You insert whatever that is for you. I don't need to give 100 examples for you to go, yep, that's something that my parents did that I'm not going to do, similar to you as a, a parent, making sure that you're not repeating everything your parents did, but taking whatever they learned, you learn from them and applying it to your system. So it obviously plays a massive part because our beliefs kind of curate our behaviors and our behaviors create our future and everything that you're building. So let's talk about innovation, balancing business success and innovation. How do you do it? So how do you, how do you balance the willingness to just practically win on a daily basis as a business owner, entrepreneur, but then also be innovative? And again, I, I think those two things are different but you got to be able to define both of those things. So what is success to you? What is innovation to you? What is innovation to you is innovation, taking something and making it better. What is success to you? Is success a number of dollars amount that's in your bank account? Is it the amount of people who work for you who feel like they're winning? Being able to define both of those things are super important. So just my practical recommendations, as you said, how do you do it? So how do I do it? I don't, I don't necessarily live a balanced life. I'll just say that. I know that the cheesy leadership thing is like, I don't live by balance. I live by rhythm. I think that also is just a, a, a saying that someone says that doesn't actually have any meaning or density to. I think what you need to do is understand how you're wired. Like I'm wired to work really, really hard and then not work at all, which means three to four months of like 100% all in grind very much so still keep a Sabbath once a week. And then in about four months, I know I need a, a longer break. Like I need three to four days to to refresh, to take a take a, my mental break. And 
And in those pauses, in those moments, daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and yearly, to be by myself, to literally think and sit in silence and sit in prayer and, and truly process what has the last couple months looked like, but what do I want the next couple months to look like as well? So I'm looking in hindsight, and I'm also looking foresight. I'm looking in the future of, man, what does God want for me, and how can I get there? And who can I empower to take wherever they want to go and help them get there as well? So that's how I balance success and innovation is in those moments of pausing and reflection. I'm a deep thinker. I constantly am sitting with a journal every single day of just silence, no music, no distractions. Even if I have to go to a coffee shop and just be by myself with a journal, those are the moments that help me get to that, that balance like you just asked of, man, I'm successful because I love my wife. I've got a fun puppy. I have a home. I live in Southern California. That to me is success. Success looks like I have a confident wife who I love, who is the most prized possession in the world to me. Not I have a great Instagram. My YouTube channel is awesome, although I do love you guys and appreciate you. There's just like a, a more density to the things that I truly, truly at the day that I leave this earth, whenever that is, I will look in hindsight and go, man, I, I chose to be successful in the areas that helped me continue to walk with Jesus because success is obedience. Success is walking with Jesus and loving my wife and helping her create all the plans and futures she has for us. So that's how I balance success and innovation. Innovation obviously comes through not just gifting, but you continuing to steward today. You cannot create the future if you don't steward today. Innovation comes when you see, you see an opportunity, you get obsessed with an opportunity, and you get obsessed with a problem. Many people jump way too early and just think of an idea and run with it instead of sitting and understanding that we are running a marathon. It is not a sprint. The people who sprint and have short-term success will, we could probably list five of those right now. You and I listening to this podcast, if you're listening or watching on YouTube, these are the people who had really cool short-term success. We don't want one-hit wonders. We want to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Let's go. College student, let's go. Share a turning point in your journey. A turning point in my, my journey is when I left college to start my first business. It happened organically. I did not force it. I did not think that I would be a business owner, like I said. I met with one client who actually was a produce company. They did like the Midwest stuff, like corn, beans, pumpkins, like all that stuff. And they said, hey, I understand that you are very good at social media. You're obviously good at digital content. Would you run our social media? We'll pay you. And that first time they said that to me, I genuinely thought I can do this for a job. Like someone will pay me to do the thing that I love, which is build social media accounts, to build an Instagram, to build a, a brand anyways, as I was like 18 years old. So really on that journey, I went to school for a year for business. I went to school for a year at Bible college. And at the, at the point of no return was I had so many opportunities, but I did not have time because I was putting all my time and energy into school. And I was also serving in my local church and leading in my local church, which is really where my heart was and is, is the local church and helping build that local church, no matter what role or capacity that looks like. So I was living in my dream while studying for the dream. 
if that makes sense. I was trying to get somewhere, but I was there. So for me, I looked at the risk and reward of saying, if I leave school, what does that look like? It looks like not a clear future. It looks like a lot of hours. It looks like getting a part-time job to be able to make sure that I'm paying my bills and understanding finances and having no recollection of that. I didn't know how to do business finances. I didn't know how to do nothing. All I knew was I loved Jesus. I loved the church and I loved marketing. So that was a turning point in my life. That was a hard 180. That was, I called my parents and said, this is what I'm doing. If you don't believe in me, that's okay. I cannot talk to you right now because I have to have people around me who are going to believe in this mission that I'm going to set sail on. So all that to say for six months, I worked 120 hours a week. I worked a full-time overnight job, six nights a week. I worked 10 PM to 6 AM. I served in my church, probably 20 to 30 hours building whatever my hands could get on as well as my business. And I had multiple clients. And within a year, I think I had like five or seven employees. And then within three years, I had 19 employees and we had three offices, three different states in the United States, worked with over a hundred businesses at that point. Now I've worked with over 300 all the way up to owning companies and having equity and kind of living in that higher level position. All that to say, it came from a lot of mistakes, a lot of failures, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of hungry nights where I had no money to afford food. And looking back, I would not have changed it because it has shaped who I am today and I'm thankful for it. All right, let's talk about how do I manage entrepreneurship and my spouse, my wife. And well, it says family, but my family is my wife and my dog. So how do I manage that? I manage it through communication, proactive communication making sure my wife knows ahead of time, hey, I'm going to be working a lot this week. Is that okay? Sure. Cool. I'm going to be tired. I might be a little grumpy. That's okay. Just as much as her. She's an entrepreneur. She's a forward thinker. She's a visionary. She's much better than I am in all of those things. And she proactively communicates to me. So proactive communication happens when I care about both things, but obviously my priorities are my wife, then my job, or then my vocation, whatever I'm doing. And making sure, well, I mean, we have a date night every single week. It's non-negotiable. I don't think we've literally ever missed a date night in three years. I'm not saying that to boast. I'm saying it's a priority. And as, as your spouse is a priority to you, show me your calendar. Show me your intentionality with that. Because like I said about the days where I didn't want to work or the days I didn't want to get out of bed, in those moments of habits, those are habits that I had. Those were the days where I truly understood I was disciplined. So the days where... I wake up, I'm tired, and don't feel like being a husband. It's not a choice. I mean, it is a choice. I'm choosing to be a kind, loving spouse that day. I'm choosing to serve them. And that's where the intentionality of a marriage or a relationship grows is when, it's a, when you have to choose it. Because everyone wants those TikTok relationships where they're cute and sweet 24-7. It's not reality. There's days where you're grumpy. There's days where you don't want to be around anybody. You live in the same house. You got to be around them. You got to be on point. If you have kids, you got to be there for them. Those are the days that make you who you are. I, I saw, I think his name's Andy Elliott. He said, the test days are what make you a savage. And to me, that sticks in my head every day. The test days are the days that actually make you a savage, make, make you a winner, make you successful, are the days you don't want to do anything. The days where you want, you want to lay in bed, you want to eat junk food, you want to not talk to anybody. Those are the days that make you ahead of everybody else. Advice for scaling up from ground zero. Scaling, I mean, again, you got to define what that means to you because scaling 
a video business by yourself and you're saying, I just need one client a, a month and that is at scale for me. Cool. But if you're talking like multiple employees, multiple organizations, a lot of different systems in place and structures and all that, my advice to you is crush every moment you can, even the days you fail, even the days you don't feel like it. To scale anyways is to take something from, like you said, ground zero all the way to the point of being at a place where you can truly take your hands off the wheel and allow other people to take it where you can't even go. It happens through super level of intentionality every single day. You better have the most dialed in schedule. You better have the most dialed in health routine, individual routine of your whatever beliefs you have, as well as you better be okay leading people who are better than you, who are smarter than you, who are better thinkers than you, who truly are better than you at everything. There's no category where you're like, nope, I got them. And there might be, but what I'm saying is, comes down to security, comes down to confidence, it comes down to belief, and it comes down to your routine and systems you have in place. Systems deliver the mission. You cannot get to where you're going without practical systems in place to get there. And a system is everything that you have that's a habit. And a system is everything you have in place that might take away specific tasks because there's a constant ex exchange of time and money. You're either spending money or making money, and you're either having time or spending time. Obviously, we can accumulate more money, can't accumulate more time. So there's a time and place where you need to actually exchange the, the level of money you're making to pay people to do the things that are not worth your energy and time. For instance, the administration side of things or the hiring, that was a big thing for me was all these interviews and conversations I was having with businesses and employees. I, I was, was self-aware enough to say, I'm a better salesman than I am just like an HR guy of hiring because I'm so direct and I tend to be a little intimidating when it comes to those interactions. So I brought somebody in who was kind, who was way better people person than I am and saying, man, you do this. Here's a simple job description. Do this. I'm going to just do the closing sales of things and help them get onboarded and care about that. That's not to say in six months, my job looked different or your job might look different, but to say from zero to one anyways, is the book that I would recommend to you to help you get to that point. But again, you're either taking a whole new idea that's never existed into the, into the reality of today, or you're taking something that has been made and making that better. That's how you scale. Okay. How do you have innovation in your company? How did it boost your business? This is coming from an artist. This is somebody who does graphic design. Yeah. Fostering innovation is much different than you just being an innovative person. And fostering is a great word, by the way, for an entrepreneur. If you're, you need to be good at fostering people, which means that they're not going to be with you forever, but when they're with you today, how can you make them better? Especially creatives. Leading creatives is one of the easiest and hardest things to do, especially if you get yourself in the way. Get out of the way. They have so many ideas. Just make sure they have the ideas. So that's how you foster innovation. You get people at a table, more uh, maybe it's digital or in person, and have them give the ideas and listen. Don't give ideas. You don't be the idea guy today. You be the listener and the encourager and help celebrate innovation. If there's somebody who has an idea in your organization and they bring it up to you, that means they care more about the future of your organization than your, your status or your feelings. That should be celebrated and rewarded. So those are 10 simple practical questions that I hope truly, truly helped you. 
Uh, I love that um, people are asking questions. People are, care about this, especially with people who are in the church and maybe intrigued by the entrepreneurship space and vice versa. Seriously, thank you so much for watching this or listening to this. It means the world to our team. Make sure to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening to a podcast, make sure to give it a review and follow. We'll see you next week.